Pack Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Welcome to Extension Horses Tack Box Talk Series, Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University, and we're going to be continuing today our uh, talks about the recent research featured at the Equine Science Society. So I'm delighted to have a first-time guest to our podcast today, Dr. Alyssa Logan from Middle Tennessee State University. So welcome, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me. So I will have to um, introduce you guys a little bit. So Dr. Logan is a a fairly recent, been out a year now, PhD graduate from Michigan State University, um, which is where I also um, did my uh, PhD work. And we did some similar types of things for our PhD work. So maybe just give us a brief rundown of what you did there, uh, Dr. Logan. Absolutely. Uh, So I did both my master's and my PhD at Michigan State University, um, studying exercise physiology and Dr. Brian Nielsen. And one of the things we focused on during my graduate tenure was bone and joint health of young animals. And very similar to some of Dr. Heine's um, PhD work, I also utilized a calf model. um, because tired of horses. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're fun little guys to work with. Um, So we looked at sprint exercise in these calves and found that, you know, allowing a short amount of sprinting during the week will have a 25% increase to bone strength. And then we did a circular exercise study and found that just doing small circles for only six weeks led to some changes between the inside and the outside front legs of these calves. So really interesting starting work, um, kind of the tip of the iceberg with the circular exercise stuff. There's so much more we can learn about And I think we're going to talk about one of those um, later today when we're talking about abstracts of of some other kind of alternative animal work that helps inform horse stuff. So, but bottom line, I think both uh, Alyssa and I would agree for young animals, don't lock them up. Okay, that's bad, turns out, (laughs) and let them run around a little bit. (laughs) Let them be an animal. Yeah, it turns out it's it's good stuff. All right, so let's dive into some of our favorite abstracts um, from the meeting. So you want to discuss with us um, some use of technology. So this was a, a paper looking at the validation of smart tech on looking at heart rate variability. So first of all, maybe give us a little information about why we care about heart rate variability versus just heart rate in the horse. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Basically, it's a helpful measure of fitness, Um, more so than just, you know, between myself and someone else in my office, we might have similar or different heart rates, and that doesn't necessarily give us too much information about fitness. But when we think about exercise, having heart rate variability can help us get that overall picture. Yeah, it's also used quite a bit in... um kind of well-being and behavior work because essentially um, how much variability in the rate of the heart, right? So there's a difference between parasympathetic and sympathetic control. So sympathetic uh, nervous control is kind of think about that is with more stress response. Um, And then parasympathetic is when you're like chillaxed. And so we actually see more variability in the animal's heart rate under parasympathetic control just because 
you're not all stressed and making your heart like, ah, I gotta, I gotta deal with this. So having the ability to have some good technology that can give us some feedback just at rest on whether they're fit, stressed, et cetera, can be a good thing. So tell us about this technology. So this was super cool. And I think the title says it really well, a smart textile device. Um, and listening to both reading the abstract and listening to the presentation, um, the author did a fantastic job sharing. This actually was kind of the sensors were knit into this kind of stretchy material that you would put kind of around the girth area on a horse instead of things that they've mentioned with, you know, kind of those adhesive ECGs that, you know, maybe you've experienced if you've ever had a heart workup. And being able to have kind of that stretchy material might make this a little bit better option for consistent contact during exercise. And this study didn't quite get into the exercise part of things. They did exactly what they should with the first step with technology and determined, okay, is, can we, is it, can we, um, validate it compared to the standard technology? And they did a great job of that. So you said stretchy material. Is it like the horse is wearing a uh, sleazy or is it really just around the girth area? And it's maybe so people know what it's yeah. yeah, around the girth area. Yeah. So those of you that don't use sleazies, they're like a hood. Yeah, a knitted or a tight spandexy, not super tight, but material that fits really close to the horse that we use to keep their hair kind of shiny and pretty. So this just was kind of simple and went around the girth area then. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And the, and the tech was in the fabric. Yeah. Super. I, I would love to like handle it and touch it. Um, kind of so next steps, but, um, it was kind of neat. It was kind of woven into the fibers. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I know I've worked with some other, uh, folks on trying to develop some tech for horses and that, that you're right, that adhesive thing. So we have all of this cool technology that can tell us so much about what's going on in the horse and heart rate and temperature and pulse ox and all this stuff, but my goodness, it just doesn't stick. <laughs> with that hair coat and especially sweat, if we're thinking about exercise, that can make a difference. Okay, so this is promising. So that's yeah. exciting for um, the correlation between that, you know, this new smart textile device um, and uh, another ECG device. Um, they had the correlation of R is a uh, one. So they kind of had really good it matches. Yeah, it matches pretty well. Okay, for those non statistic people out there, an R of one is essentially means same, same. Same, same. Yep. <laughs> I like it. Hey, I might have to look into that for some other yes. projects that uh, we have in mind here. So fantastic news. All right. Our next abstract we're going to talk about um, is one that is near and dear to my heart as an extension person, because I think people really struggle with this. So having some good data should help us. So Alyssa, you wanted to talk about a paper that looked at horse owners perspectives on weight management in horses. Yes, um, this was from from Ross and colleagues. Um, they administered an on-farm questionnaire to horse owners in Prince Edward Island, Canada. So super cool, we're getting an international presence at ESS. Um, and they found that these horse owners are tending to underestimate uh, the condition score of their horses. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems, I think I've seen that before. Yeah, it looks familiar. 
So horse owners are, are always thinking their horses are leaner than they actually are is what they found, right? Yeah, 20% uh, were underestimating the condition of the horses. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I think we also see that in our companion animal population as well. We tend to yeah. have some some overweight animals that people are like, oh no, that's normal and fine. And we're trying to say, no, no, it's not. Yep. So, but I'm sure there's more to it than that. What else did they find? Um, there actually was fair agreement between veterinarians and the horse owners weight assessment. Um, it was a little bit lowish because they had that 20% that estimated it to be um, an underestimate of weight. I think it was interesting. Um, only 9% overestimated the horse's weight. Um, and I think in terms of perceptions, you know, we, we want to take care of our animals and we don't want our animals to be too skinny. So something, you know, kind of get careful of is folks don't want to see bone. They don't want to see ribs. Um, and so horse owners seem to do a pretty good job of not letting them get too skinny, but kind of on the other side of things. Um, it was really interesting, this group, instead of giving the owners the entire body condition score, um, I forget the exact terms, they went over these terms in their uh, oral presentation, but they kind of said, are they under-conditioned, healthy, or over-conditioned, something like that. So just had the owners identify, you know, too skinny, good, or overweight. So it broke it down really well. Good. Well, I, I think, you know, this is always important to have this data because I know this has been an issue in the horse industry that, you know, people see a thin horse as a, a welfare issue, but they don't always see an overweight animal as a, as a welfare well-being yeah. issue, but it, but it can be. Um, there's even been some papers uh, where horse show judges were really not getting it right and rewarding yes. really overweight yeah. horses. Um, and even we had some, I think we talked about it with Dr. Anderson the other day, um, a paper looking at, you know, body condition score of horses going to sales, thoroughbred sales, and people are really pushing these guys to, you know, a little bit more of that fat, sleek side. But remember, ultimately, that's that's not the most beneficial thing that we can, can do for them, right? So yeah. moderate condition, guys, they don't need to have more more weight on them than yes. necessary. And when we kind of make that relationship between, you know, the bone and the joint health and keeping a healthy weight is important all around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think uh, when we were talking a little bit, not recording here yet, that you said something about the people's emotions. Yes, yes I just had my finger on that. Yeah, let's talk about um, that. So let me just kind of read what they wrote here. They said, um, emotional responses to managing under versus overweight horses and societal norms influenced horse owners decisions you know versus the the education maybe from um extension but more that it's the societal norms and emotions that are driving oh i don't want to see the ribs let's let's get them a little more food let's get them a little bit squishier and it's not ideal no no yeah i, I mean there's just so much data and, and we have a lot more again i'm going to lean into my companion animals um but that i mean you can extend lifespan by keeping them a, a little bit leaner. So yeah. I think for horse owners, we need to think about that. We talked about a paper the other day that exercise turns out to be a great way to have horses lose weight. Mm -hmm. um, so don't forget that in your toolbox. Um, it can be really, really uh, beneficial for them. All right, so our last one we're gonna do, um, so this is fun. We're gonna talk about sheep. 
Mm. So we wanted to branch out to a new audience of sheep producers and invite them <laughs> to listen to our <laughs> podcast here. So what are we going to talk about with sheep, Dr. Logan? Okay. Um, so kind of what Dr. Heine and I can introduce us with some of our work in our graduate studies involving models. Um, this was done at Michigan State University, and um, I actually got the privilege to advise some of this research that was going on. Um, they looked at the incident rate of lesions in the distal forelimb of growing exercise sheep as a model for horses. And the reason that they've chosen a sheep model over what we've done with the calf model, um, long-term exercise with calves are just, they're over it, really. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with sheep, they have a really large flight zone. Um, oh, okay. You can put them in a mechanical walker, and, you know, the, those panels from the mechanical walker, they see, they just see it come in. They're like, all right, let's move. Um, where the cattle are like, cool, laying down, let's take a nap. Let's, you know, it's just easier to keep the sheep going forward. So now I'm just off on a completely different tangent. <laughs> but like the calves that you used, they were Holsteins, which are yeah. low yeah. flight zone cattle, low right? In the future, so what if you got like some there. Zebu cattle in there? Yeah. Would that have worked better? <laughs> I think probably, yeah. The Holsteins were like they, you know, you're walking them and they would just want to cuddle and they're um, they're not not great models of faster, longer term exercise. Super good for a quick sprint. Love them for that. So uh, after some trial and error, we kind of found the sheep models better. But, you know, accessibility wise, you know, like that zebu kind of cattle, we haven't really tried that before. Not easy to access, but sheep <laughs> are very easy to access. That's true. That's true. Well, I just want to bring in all of the species. Yeah, all those species. Breeds, so yeah. they'll have some fun. So, Definitely. all right. So, so we got to get people's minds wrapped around this. So exercising sheep in a circle they're in a hot walker right so we're not yeah. lunging sheep we're nope. not <laughs> okay. no gosh oh my it would look like flying a kite <laughs> that would be fun though okay so and and just to get all of our language here so when you're looking at the distal forelimb that means low down guys right yeah. so um what part of the leg were they looking at and compare that in a horse uh so basically comparing to a horse the knee and the fetlock so past the shoulder, we're not looking up there, we're looking down low. Okay, so in these sheeps that were running around in a uh, hot walker, okay, yeah. <laughs> good, picture that. So you said, uh, take us back to the results here on what they actually found um, in what happened with these sheep. Yeah, so I'm gonna do my best to take stats out of this. But pretty much what they found is when they looked at these sheep, um, kind of regardless of what they were doing, they, they had control treatments too. So a straight line control um, and a resting control that all of these sheep that were young and growing had lesions in their joints, like almost all of them. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty interesting and kind of not expected. I have to be honest, going into this as a group, we kind of thought, we're going to find exercise differences. We're mm -hmm. going to find that um, the circular exercise would have greater instance instance in this model. Um, and it was just kind of across the board without a treatment difference, kind of surprising. So is that because um, I assume these sheep are also raised for a high rate of gain, right? Uh, yeah, um, that's not really, yep. 
Um, these are a production type of animal. And that's something that, you know, is kind of unique between something like sheep or cattle compared to a horse. We are still, of course, kind of having a decent rate of gain because these are, you know, larger horse is going to be able to go into training a little bit earlier. But these animals that are kind of focused for more of a product that they're going to give us, that certainly is a priority. And, you know, they, they have a lot more knowledge on that side of things with the production animals. So, Certainly know that this genetic line, these animals that we use, they they had a high rate of gain. Um, would be really interesting, and this is kind of very long time to take animals like these to tape sheep and kind of breed a line that is our exercise line that has that, that doesn't have that production focus as much, but maybe might have a more moderate rate of gain to see if that that might be different. So interesting to think about. Have you ever tried hair sheep? Nope, I don't think they did that. They had um, the polypay sheet. That was kind of what they're working with at the university. And I think it's um, pretty mixed purpose. I am not a sheep okay. expert though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not either because I would assume yeah. maybe there's a difference between the sheep that are pretty produced for meat production versus wool because right. you keep yeah. wool sheep around longer. Yeah. And that's why I was like, oh, maybe hair sheep because they... Yeah keep them around longer and i know they love them for herding trials because they actually are more like go 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 kind of sheep mm -hmm. so there's my That's suggestion i'm yeah. throwing out zebu cattle and hair sheep to just mix it up a little Things are super <laughs> easy to find thank you well come on yes. <laughs> so if it's not worth doing nope gotta do it right that's right that's right okay so unfortunately the sheep in a circle exercise didn't yield as much results for horses at this point in time? Not, it depends how we look at it. When we okay. look, when we're going for like, okay, we didn't quite find the exercise differences. We thought we would because this kind of was something that happened to all of the sheep, but something to think about because we have things like OCD in horses and we do have some faster growing youngsters. So certainly something that it's not that it doesn't apply to the horses. It just wasn't what we were looking for. And sometimes we find those surprises in research, um, but still important information with the horses too. Um, because really with, with these terminal models, such as sheep or calves, we can get information that benefits the equine industry that maybe we couldn't get directly from a large cohort of horses. I mean, we had 42 sheep. Um, it's not too often that we see 42 animals on an equine nope. study. You're like, four! Yeah, four on the screen. Hurrah! Yes. So using these models, and what's important, too, from learning from these models is refining them. So, you know, having a discussion about maybe a fiber sheep is better or different animal altogether. Maybe we need to think about goats. Who knows? Okay. Goats do like to run around too. Yeah. Also a good flight <laughs> <Okay>. zone. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you need to test on how far sheeps run, I certainly, my dogs will help volunteer to do this. Yeah, for us. absolutely. <laughs> we'll employ them. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming to our program today, um, Alyssa. So glad to, to have you in the fold of our Tech Box Talk um, and would certainly like to have you back if there's anything else you'd like to talk about in the future. Yes, thank you so much. Would love to chat horse judging in the future. That would be fun. Okay. Well, we might uh, get you here later once we've gone through all of our fun learning about researches um, <laughs> for our Equine Science Society. So, 
Well, again, guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions, you can visit us at extensionhorses.com um, or email us at extensionhorses at gmail.com. So either one. And again, that has been our Tax Box Talk, Horse Stories with a Purpose.